Hi, my friends who listen to Future Primitive. Today I'm sitting here with Maasai Program Director Chief Nilsson Parmisa. He owns a small house and several acres of land in Kilengela, Kenya. Kitengela. Kitengela, yes. Nixon was chosen as chief at the age of 32 because of his qualities as a leader, not because of any inherited status. And he has shown himself more than capable of the tasks as he steers his community towards a more sustainable future. While fulfilling his duties as a traditional chief, That position makes Nixon a government official, and he spends time in his office in Ati River, where he mediates conflicts such as land ownership and family issues. Nixon speaks Ma, Swahili, and English, and has traveled the United States, where he's spoken to enthralled audiences all over the country. Today, Nixon will identify the community's most pressing needs and work and tell us, tell us about his life and his work. It's an honor to have you here, Nixon. So um, tell us about what's happening this weekend and why you're far away from home and sitting here in Santa Fe with us. Uh, thank you very much, uh, and I'm happy to, to be here. Yeah, you're very right, far away from my home, from my children, from my livestock. And uh, you know, as a mass, I, I always have to mention about livestock because we have a very strong connection between livestock, the nature, and the family. And uh, the reason why I'm here today is because of my community. As a community leader, I have this uh, strong passion to try to see how community life is going to be changed uh, from uh, the way just people live to sustainable way, uh, both economically and, and also as uh, empowerment. I'm looking for ways of empowering community, uh, both socially, economically, and even politically, because we need uh, to, uh, as a leader, I have to show them uh, how to, to go on life. So this weekend, we will be uh, attending International uh, Folk Art Market. Uh, we will have our booth, 172. We will be selling uh, some of the items that are well made by our women back in, in our village in the place called Old Macau. And uh, the money that will be raised from the, the, the market will go to benefit the community there on education, um, the livelihood, 
and also to try to do a continual way of have, see if it will be possible for the women to be coming to the small folk market to sell their items and be able to raise funds to empower their community, their families socially, and also to the community. We are looking at a bigger picture of having good schools, education for girls, and also women empowerment. So how come you have endorsed being faithful to your Maasai tradition rather than becoming a businessman in Nairobi or, you know, you are holding on to the traditional life? Yeah, we are holding on to our traditional life because where I live, I live south of Nairobi National Park and uh, south of Nairobi National Park is on the southern part is not fenced. So we have interaction of human, wildlife, and, and, uh, and livestock. So one of our greater role we are doing is try to protect the environment from, um, from, uh, you know, from, from the pollution, from the industries, from uh, unnecessary development, from uh, all those kind of infrastructure that uh, the policymakers uh, push into the community. So by doing so, try to protect the land, we are trying to protect our way of life. Because as a Maasai, I think we have a role uh, an obligation to protect even wildlife and the environment. As a Maasai, we don't consume wildlife meat. We don't kill livestock. We don't eat because it's a, we, we have a strong belief that it's a, we were given that responsibility by God to protect wildlife, the environment, livestock, and human. Because as by protecting the environment, we need wildlife. We need livestock. We need the environment. And uh, if, if we... we we go away from our culture and we join other people. We have other tribes in Kenya that believe in consuming wildlife meat. So if we go away from our traditional way of life, we might be tempted to, you know, now to try to destroy the environment. And that's why I'm sticking as a leader. I'm trying to make sure the community remain as a, as a, as a cultural way and with our traditional beliefs of protecting the environment, wildlife and, 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 and our culture. I understand from reading the website, which we'll talk about later, that you are a Christian. And so I would like to ask you how uh, being a Christian, and uh, I have to ask you if that's, that, that's the fact, mm-hmm. and protecting the Maasai way of life, how those two things can coexist. Uh, one, we have an mythical origin uh, that we believe that we came from heaven with our cows, holding the tail of our cows. And God put us somewhere called Kerio Valley. Kerio Valley is now in, in Kenya. It's not very far away from where we live. And uh, we were there, uh, and then there was a drought in the valley, and then there was a dove that came up from the valley down to our valley, and um, it brings something green. That's an indication that up up the escarpment there is green grass. So we move out of the valley. We went down south. That's where we live now in Kajiado. And some of us went down to Tanzania, northern Tanzania. And the second group that came much earlier that went down uh, on the eastern side, and that's the one that forms Samburu. But we all speak one language. So we have that belief that we came from heaven. We always have the belief that um, we used to live with God up in heaven. 
And then at some point, I don't know why, we decided to come down here on earth. And that's why whatever we found here, we believe that we have that responsibility to protect and take care. And that's why if you, you found, for example, someone walking around with two walking sticks, Young boys, when we were growing up, if you walk around with two walking sticks, if you found an elder, he will take one of the walking sticks and beat you with the one and then tell you you are only entitled to carry one. If that one is finished, you go and get another one. What does that mean? That means you have a responsibility to protect the environment. There is no need of cutting two trees when you don't necessarily need. Number two, we have the belief that by killing, for example, birds, insects, if you are not eating them, why are you killing them? They have a right to survive as you. And even our livestock, we don't just anyhow kill them and slaughter them and have meat. Even when we slaughter them, we slaughter them with a lot of respect. You don't just kill. We know it's a food that we are given by God, so we protect. So when uh, we believe that even the, when the missionary came to Kenya and started uh, preaching to us and uh, converting many of us to Christianity, mm. we were there with God. We were believers of God. So the only thing they've come with is the Bible telling us whatever you've been believing, it's written here. So that's how we were well connected. Look at some of the things, for example, we do. We do sacrifice to livestock when there's drought to pray for God to rain, for rain, when there is calamity, the diseases and all that. If you look at what is in the Bible, that's what Abraham used to do. So even before the missionary came, we were there, we were practicing. It's only that we didn't know what we were doing. And then now they just become so smart and give it a name and they call it Christianity. So that's, that's how it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, for example, what we do in, in when a child is born. There is a traditional ceremony that is being done, naming of children. Look at, uh, we, we look at the moon every month to predict the, 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 what the next month will look like. If there will be, for example, rain or not. If there is, uh, for the, we, we, we didn't experience long rain this year. And when we were talking to the elders, they were, telling it's not, they were telling us it's not going to rain. And we asked them, why? They are telling us because there is a star up there. And when they, that star is up there, it's not going to rain. The long rain will not rain. So until that star goes down, that's when it rains. So until uh, toward the end of May, that's when the star went down. And then in June, we started experiencing some rain. So we had a, a, a long rain wait. We waited a long rain from the March, April, and May this year. It fails because of the star. And, and, and I think that's how God talks to us through, you know, the stars, the nature, and all that. You know, by looking, for example, at the intestine of a, of a rabbit, there are some people who can predict and tell you the, the, the intestine of this rabbit shows that it's not going to rain. And I think all this knowledge is just a way of God talking to us. So even before the missionary came, we used to communicate with God. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you. So speak to us about your relationship with livestock and what livestock means to you and how you co-live with livestock? Um, for us, um, I'm a married man and uh, I paid six cows for me to marry. When a child is born, the first thing the family does is they slaughter animal. 
the the woman is given uh, blood that mixed with fat as a, something that will help them to regain their strength a young child is given the uh, milk the, the butter from the milk and uh, they smear the body of a child like they massage with the f- livestock fat mm-hmm. and uh, if you you end up for example beating someone you'll be fine and pay a cow if you steal someone one go, one sheep you'll be fine another sheep you pay two mm-hmm. if you steal someone cow one you pay nine if for example you there is a manslaughter you kill someone by mistake maybe you hit by a cow or something right. you pay 49 cows oh, so you you can see everything revolves about cows yeah. if you don't have a cow you'll be named a very bad name you'll be called a dorobo Dorobo is a subsection of Maasai who are gatherers and hunters. So in one way or another you'll be forced by the community to be a livestock keeper. Wow. They 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 cannot appoint you to be a chief if you don't have livestock because they will say you are not generous. You don't have food. The reason why you don't want to keep livestock is because you don't want us to come to your house and you slaughter one or two for us. So I'm just giving all that clear picture. Yeah, yeah. Showing how well we are connected with 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 livestock. When we grow up and I already told you our mythical origin believe that we came from heaven mm-hmm. holding the tails of our cows. Mm-hmm. And and I think keeping cows makes us does us a lot. One, it it gives us an opportunity to protect the environment because they cannot exist in a vacuum they have to exist in an environment they need a space to graze so we have to protect the environment because we need that environment and space for our livestock number 2 we have to keep them because it's a way of empowering us economically if you want to marry if you want food if you want to take your children to school you have to sell your oh, livestock see. number 3 is socially you cannot be accepted as a Maasai leader as a Maasai chief as someone's in-law if you don't have livestock mm. so if you look at economically socially all this livestock has to be to, to be there so for us we we keep livestock because we we it's something that is in us it's our passion it's 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 our life you you cannot separate us with and as well as is our food because we slaughter and we we have food so that's why we keep uh, we keep livestock and even for someone who has who has no job someone who has never gone to a formal job who has never gone to school they they can keep livestock it it's not a science it's not something that you have to read mm. it's just there it you know from your heart you can just be a livestock keeper and you'll have livestock so that's what we've been doing for all these years and i think that's the message now i'm passing even to the current generation to the younger generation that even if you guys are getting job in the city yeah. even if you are going to school uh-huh. our life is tied to a livestock keeping so please as you go to job just remember that you have to be a livestock keeper because by keeping livestock helps us to protect the environment yes yeah that's yeah. beautiful uh, so it's really it's your currency it's the livestock is the masai currency yes. and the currency these cows yes. they exist because yes. the land yes. is cultivated and kept and therefore there is food for for the cows yes yes i see i mm. see mm. so 
Maybe he'll speak to us about the Maasai women. Yes. And uh, what uh, what a woman's life is like in the traditional village. Yeah. And another thing I'm fascinated by is when you say people can work in the city, mm. your people can work in the city, but yet keep cows. Mm. How does that? How can that happen together? But let's go to the first question about, I was just thinking about, that fascinated me when you said that. But let's talk about the women, your wife, the wives, the girls. Yeah. So you want me to start with the women? Yes. Okay. So our culture way of life was uh, actually designed in a very, let me say, bad way of marginalizing women. Uh, and uh, because you, uh, when uh, our tradition says that women do not become chiefs, like a, a chief like myself, mm-hmm. because they cannot hold a traditional rungu like this one, yes. because this is a symbol of authority. This is the one stick. Yes, this one stick is yes. a symbol of authority. Yeah. And um, they also say that uh, um, in other places, women are not supposed to address gathering where the men are. In other places, they say they are not supposed to own livestock, to own land. Mm. They are not supposed to inherit land. They are not supposed to be uh, to be leaders. But one of the things that actually we are doing now, and that's one of the things that I'm doing now as a chief, is number one is to make sure that women have equal rights in a society by getting the right education just like a boy child, uh, have the say in the community. We now have women who are chiefs. We have women who have become leaders. Our member of parliament, as we speak, she's a woman. Uh, the other thing is we are trying to empower them economically. One of the um, one of the things that we will be doing in our market here today in Santa Fe, mm-hmm. uh, as from tomorrow, mm-hmm. we are selling the, uh, the items that are on made controlled by women. All the resources that we will be getting from the Santa Fe International Focus Market goes directly to the women. Uh-huh. And the reason why I believe in women empowerment is because, one, they understand the family need. They know what is needed in a family. If there is a child that does not have clothes, a woman know. If there is no food in the house, a woman know. If there is a, a sick child, a woman, no. So by empowering them economically, giving them the need resources they require, that re- all those resources goes direct into the family. And that's one of the greater opportunities that Akisha Moyo has given us. Because by uh, organizing us to come here, speak to a number of people, help other people to understand the, the challenges that people in the village go through, and what are their wishes? What do they want to see on their life? So now what actually we've done, we have four girls that have been now funded by Acacia Moyo. They are in school. These four girls, we've rescued them from one, early marriages. People want, their parents want to marry them off uh, to the elderly people even before these girls uh, attain the, 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 their statutory age when they are below the, the required age, mm-hmm. they are underage. When we rescue them, we take them back to school. 
Number two is we rescue them from uh, a female genital mutilation. Yeah, what about that? Yeah, and, and this is one actually of the, the you know the, the crazy belief that many people think that when you you take a girl through a female genital mutilation, even if the girl, for example, she's age of eight, there is this belief that this is now a grown-up. They don't look someone to be a grown-up by the age, but by going through circumcision, the, the female genital mutilation. And this is what we are saying. If One, we, we are stopping people. It's illegal now in Kenya to take a girl through female genital mutilation. I have powers as a chief to arrest you arraign you before the court of law and go to the jail. So what we are doing is those people who are doing it behind our bars on a secret, we have our own intelligence. When we found these people, we arrest them and then the girl we take to the school. So we actually have four now in Mpakasi Secondary School who are there and we've been able to... Were uh, they mutilated? Actually, we we stop, we stop before the, the actual because the, the girls now because of the more awareness we have, actually one went through before we knew, and the other one because because of the bigger awareness now we have in the community, they give us the information prior to the, the to the actual cut. So when they give us the information, we we rescue them, and once we rescue them, we take them to the school, and now they are happily in a boarding school. They are doing their education, and they are doing very perfect. You know, and, and this is a bigger challenge. So we are still now as a community doing more awareness, telling people this is evil and this is, has nothing to do with the right of passage. The best way we can help this girl is to let them go to a better education. Let them get the better education. Let them become leaders of tomorrow. Let them become role model for our society. Because by taking someone through female genital mutilation doesn't help anything. Marrying someone at a very low age, it becomes even a, a health risk for this girl because they are being forced to this marriage. They are not the marriage of their choice. They are underage and becomes even a, you know, a risky way of life to, to them. So those, those are what we are doing now. And because we have, we've actually done so much on awareness, but I think still we still need more resources to be able to educate more girls. And actually, some of the money that we will get from the forecast market this year will go to help more girls to be able to join school. And, and, and even from individual, we even actually have one girl that is being supported by one of our friends in, 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 in New York City. And, and, you know, it's amazing how people, you know, how these girls are now doing in school, knowing that they are so secure, they are getting education, and they're hoping that one day they will be able to become leaders in our society. I want to ask you, what about educating the people who actually enforce genital mutilation? How about educating the people in the community, educating the women? Because I hear that often it's the women who carry through, who carry through this tradition How about educating them? Yeah, actually, that, that's one of, one of the things that we, we are thinking now. And normally every month I, held, I, I conducted two public barazas and, and try to educate people, talk to them. But uh, we, as a bigger picture, I think we need to have more seminars to sit down with them and be able to even to get the medical experts to be able to tell them, to talk to them and to show them from the medical perspective that this is wrong and this is how you are actually causing more damage to these young girls instead of what they are thinking that is, a, is an initiation that they are taking them through. 
So, but, but you know, all these require resources. But that's a bigger picture we have. What we are doing now, we're just doing at our capacity to be able to, to talk to them. And we've been able to achieve because we've been able to target the leaders. We've been able to or target the old grandmothers because those are the ones that actually uh-huh. do the, the, the car yeah. and be able to talk to them and, 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 and you know, uh, be able to encourage them to be able to be on our side and be able to help us to stop all these things. But I think moving forward, we need to even involve the medical experts to be able actually to talk to them from the medical perspective, what effect they are kind of doing. Because we even think that they are actually putting them on a bigger risk of even contracting diseases like tetanus because of sharing the diseases, uh, HIV and AIDS. You know, they are putting their life more risk of these young girls than the way they thought. And these, these are the things that we are actually trying to do. But I think moving forward, we need more awareness on this. We need more talking to them to be able to understand uh, that it's more risky than the way they are doing that they thought that it's just an initiation and a rite of passage. And the, the lastly about the whole female genital mutilation is what we are doing now. We normally conduct every end of the year, we conduct... Uh, like a ceremony, and these girls put on uniform. It's just like a graduation, and we are saying this is a rite of passage. They, they come, they sing, they talk to the community, and we are telling the community this is the right way of passage, wow. not the female genital mutilation. Yeah. So those are things that we are now doing uh, in, in, in a community. That sounds really amazing to yeah. me. Yeah. Change, change the rituals, yes. and uh, I suppose that would uh, would happen fairly slowly. But uh, you're working on that, yeah. Yeah. creating new rituals. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, do you want to talk a bit about this uh, foundation you're associated with? There was another question yeah, you asked yeah. about. Uh, yeah, I asked about uh, how can uh, men, women, both work in the city and preserve their Maasai tradition, ceremonies, and ways. Yeah, actually, one of the things, the reason why we are telling them, the people in the city, that you must keep the livestock in the village, is we are putting them a hook on their neck. Even though they are in the city, we are telling them you have, there is a hook in the village that is pulling you to the Mm -hmm. village. Mm -hmm. That uh, as much as you want to better work, education, remember the life in the village. Because one of the challenges we have globally you see now in the city is controlled by young people who are most of them are even jobless. Going to the village, they are only leaving old people, the people who actually need to be helped. We want the younger people to continue with the vision that the old people have. You know, in the village, if they are keeping livestock, we want them to come back to the village and, and keep livestock. We want them to come with a fresh idea mind and tell us this is what we are supposed to do. We need now maybe to drill boreholes. How do we mitigate climate change, which is the really thing that is affecting us? So we want the energy of the young people from the city to come to the village and bring all these new ideas, innovation into the village. Let them bring their education you know, how do they think we need to continue as a way of empowering a community? 
you know, that's the reason why we are keep encouraging them to keep livestock because it's a way of telling them to come back to the village and bring all these new ideas. Uh, tell us how to be able to move forward as a community. So it's just a way of encouraging them, not just to be a city people, but remember also there is a village. We have this tradition that says that if someone, for example, pass on or died, they have to be buried in the city, in the village. And before you'll be buried, you must have a house. So, you know, all these things is a preparation. You have to build a house. You, if, for example, you want to marry someone, before we conclude the wedding, we have to go and see where you live. You know, do you have a home? That's also another way of telling you, go to the village. We, you have to pay your dowry by cows. There are no cows in the city. So you, have, you must have cows, and these cows have to be kept in the village. So it's just a way of telling people, go to the village, go to the village, and develop your village, bring your ideas. And I've seen, actually, in even many places. I, I think, the last, no, 2016, I was in Oregon. If you go to some places in town in, like, Deadwood, it's hardly to see young people. Most people are in yeah, the city. Right. Even here, I think in, in here in Santa Fe, yeah. you see young people are living in, in Abakuki. But they are not here in these villages. And this, there's a lot of you know, ideas here. There are lots of resources. People need to come up with and develop their own uh, backyard, where they, they came from. Yeah, and that's what we are doing now. And actually, we've, we've achieved. And with all these new technology, we form WhatsApp groups. So whatever the, the youth from the city and the village, they see what the village is doing. We have, for example, in my area, we have a development forum for our area. So even if you're working in the city, at least you get updates every day of what is happening in the village. So and so is getting married. You know, there's a, a traditional, there's a plan to develop a road somewhere. So they have all this picture and their ideas also send their ideas through the WhatsApp and, and all that. Yep. Yeah. I see. So you, you work to maintain a sense of village yes, yes. with your people, yes. your families. Your, yes. Yeah. So... Um, Talk to us about what it means to be to be a chief and what work you do and uh, why is it uh, different to be a chief than uh, and what is uh, what talk to us about the dignity and honor of being a chief. Um, become being a Maasai chief. It's a, it's it's a great honor and a very powerful position because one. Before one became a chief, there are so many traditional things the community looked at. One, they look at uh, your lineage, family lineage. They look at your mother. They look at your father lineage. Are these people, do they have characteristics of uh, leaders? Are they generous people? Are they people who can actually uh, lead people in a right direction? Define generosity. Yeah, generosity means someone who is ready to, to give, ready to help, ready to support, both financially and even mentally by just guiding people in the right direction. Yes. People who are not corrupt, who are not just there to empower themselves by taking all the community resources. People who are ready to lead people f to the right direction be an example, you know, to, to the community. And that's what we, we looked at. And uh, let's say if someone, for example, goes to, 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 to say, I want help. 
can you support me in this? So even if you don't have money, for example, but you can give them the ideas and tell them this is what you can do, you know? And someone who is not ready to, to take away what does not belong to them. And the other thing is they look at, uh, for example, if you are left-handed, you cannot become a Maasai chief. Really? Yes. Because the right hand is the one that is being used to bless people. When you are addressing people and you are holding this symbol of authority, uh-huh. you use the right hand to bless people. Uh-huh. You, write, you use it to guide people in the right direction. But if you want to curse people and put a curse into people, you use the left hand. You know? So you, as you, you, you cannot become a Maasai chief if you are left-handed. What about the poor people with left hands? You, you know, you can become like a, a, a politician. You can okay. become a president. You can okay. become a senate, a mayor, but you All cannot right. become a chief. Okay. And, and, and one, once one is appointed to be a chief, you'll be surrounded by elders and be blessed and be allowed to carry this. Yes. This is a symbol of authority. And it's not given to politicians. Because politicians, very few guide people into the right direction. That's right. So it's only given to the chiefs. And we believe that chiefs are chosen by, by God. Chiefs uh-huh. are, bo- you know, you are born a leader. So it's a, it's a greater responsibility. For myself, I became a chief at the age of 32. Even the way before the required age by the government. The required age by the government is, uh, is, um, is, uh, is, is 35 years and above. But the community says, this is the person we want. And the government says that, uh, yes, but the required age is, is 35. But the community says, this is the person we want. There's nothing between about age. And also there was uh, an issue of the government says, we want more people to come and do interview because we want the process to be competitive. That's what the law says. The community say, why do we have to send you 20 people or 10 people? And we don't want them. So there was a conflict between the government requirement and the traditional requirement. How come there's a government requirement for Maasai people? Yeah, there is a government requirement because at the end of the day, you'll be employed by the government. Because you are a community leader, leading your own people, but also a government representative. And the reason why the government came in now, it's because some things like, for example, dissemination of government policy. Uh The government has to tell you as a chief... We have this new law. For example, there is no FGM. So as much as you know it's a traditional to stop all these things, it's also a government requirement. For example, maintaining law and order. You gather the intelligence and give it to the government. The, the government. Oh. Look at the, the development. What are the challenges that the community is going through? It's you to tell the government. Oh. So at the end, the government aspect has to be there. They have to, 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 to uh, uh, you know, employ okay. you as, as, as a government. But you represent your own people and you are there at, the, at their village. Yes. So... Perhaps you want to say more about your own work. Yes. Your own. Yeah. Uh, so my my bigger role now, actually, I do as a as a, as a chief is, uh, one, I link the community and the government, so the government know what the community want and the things that affect my community, and I think the government has the right as a uh, powers to help. Then I tell them. I also link the, you know, we, there are issues that we deal, for example, some of the government departments like uh, Kenya Wildlife Service. When we have human life conflict, which is a bigger, bigger problem, a bigger challenge between my community and, uh, 
and 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 the government because we live next to Nairobi National Park and sometimes lions attack our livestock and in another extreme cases community retaliate by killing those lions so one of the things that i do is i mediate between the Kenya wildlife service and the community and i report whenever we have those incidents i call them to attend those predation and sometimes we even push those lions back to the park all those kind of things and also now the the issue of empowering women by you know by letting them go to the education to get a better education go to school things like for example uh, uh, free primary education free a primary education is compulsory now in our country and it's free so one of my role is to make sure that every that child goes to school yeah. if they don't go to school i want to know why Mm-hmm. If it's, for example, the parents are denying them, then I will take the responsibility and I take the action of either arresting the parent or making sure the child compulsory go to, to, to school. So look at the, some things like insecurity, if they are theft in the community, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I make sure that I, that I stop I by identifying those criminals in the community, inform the police, all those kind of things, and also look at the environment. Are people polluting the environment? Are people cutting down trees? Uh, what is the issue of the soil erosion? If there is soil erosion after rain, we have to stop. Talk to the community and tell them, for example, uh, what the government is saying about the climate change. If there will be of, uh, of no rain, you have to tell them and encourage them. Now, because we are not going to experience long rain, you guys, why can't you sell your livestock? Put the money in the bank. When the rain comes, you buy the livestock again. Uh-huh. So those kind of things, you give the community the advice and try to lead them into the right direction. And, and then let them decide what to, to do, whether they decide to go by your opinion or, or no. But you have to, to tell them and guide them in, into the right direction. Yeah, like now here this year we we've come with one of uh, one of the young lady Phoebe to International Folk Art Market. She's one of the good example the girls that we've been helping to get, make sure that they get university education. She got a university degree. And that's why now she's here. She's a role model now to our community. You can go back and tell the community if you go to a, you get a good education, you get a job. You can even fly. You go everywhere. You know. And that's the kind of life and that's the kind of dream that I have to my community. Empower them socially. Give them the right opportunity to see what is right for them. And, you know, be able to be an example even to the coming generation that we can be a leader and lead us to lead the people into the right direction. Not just to empower ourselves and, uh, and you know, becoming greedy leaders. Well, because one of the challenges that the world is facing now I don't think it's climate change. I know it's a bigger problem, but I don't think that's a big. I think the big problem that the world is facing now mm-hmm. is the poor leadership. If we have the right leaders in the position, they will lead people into the right direction. They will lead people to do mitigations on climate change. We can overcome those things. We can lead people to economy empowerment, even even with the, all these um, um, the, the challenges that is facing now the, the world in terms of economy. You know, everything. We if we have the right people in the leadership, we will lead people. And you know, leadership starts at the family level, starts at the small unit of uh, you know the family level, goes to district. To, to the counties and, and on all this, to the Senate, to the top people in the, the presidency and all that. So that, that, that's, that's my vision. So what are the qualities of leadership? 
what have you found out is right leadership and what you want to pass on? Actually, number one is to be able to be a good example. If you want to be a leader, you have to be a good example. By one, uh, be able to lead people in the right direction. Number two, never oppress. Number three, don't take what is not yours. That's corruption. Number four, you know, greedy. Be able to take everything that does not belong to you. And a good leader is, uh, if you have good leadership, people will, your action will make people to follow you. You don't force yourself into people. You don't force people to follow you. But people follow your action. You don't throw um, uh, stones to a tree that has no mango. If if a tree has mango, good mangoes, very well wrapped, mm-hmm. they will throw stones and they will get mangoes. <laughs> so you must be a good tree with good mangoes and people will throw stones at you and get, get something. And that's what I define leadership. Beautiful. So... There was a question in the, in the back and forth emails about um, why should we in the Western world, right here in this in this America at this time, why should we care about you people? I mean, to me, it's obvious we're human beings, and human beings count for each other. That's right to me. Mm. That's what's right. We're fellow human beings. Mm. Uh, but what would you say to answer that question? Why should we care about you? And again, that's not a question I ask myself. I see it in your face. I see it in your being. I mm. see it in your presence. Mm. But why don't you tell our listeners? We want your support. Because one, we are minority in where we live, and uh, the we are the people. We actually, whenever we have the climate change, the effect of climate change, we are the most people being affected, because we are very few people with the formal education. We are very few people with the uh, employment. Uh, this we, where we came from. We are pastoral community. We depend on livestock. If there is drought, the livestock die. But at the same time, we are the people who are protecting the bigger environment, the bigger area. We conserve wildlife. If you come to Kenya now, the only area where you see wildlife is Kitengalawa area, in Masai Mara, the Samburu area, all the areas where the pastoral community is, that's where you, you see wildlife. That's where you get trees, indigenous trees. People use, use them for medicine. That's why people, you, you know, the, 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 that's where the people... What are those trees? What are those trees? What are they called? What medicine do they give? Well, there are so many indigenous uh, trees that okay. the community there use them for medicine. Yeah. If we don't protect that kind of environment and to encourage, for example, industrialization, people will come down and cut them. Mm-hmm. If, for example, you have um, uh, a problem, like, for example, mal- malaria, if someone, for example, has... Um, problem with uh, um, let's say um, uh, things like um, I'm just thinking of uh, 
a common challenge that people have. Just, just like, for example, someone has joints problem, there are herbs that we use. If someone, for example, wants to, you know, we, we call it the cleaning of the blood, yeah. we have herbs. If someone has a stomach problem, we have herbs that are used. So if we don't protect these traditional herbs that people are using to cure themselves, even before the medicine come, people used to cure those diseases. If we encourage, for example, industrialization in all those places, they will go there, they will clear the bushes, mm. they will build the industry, they will yeah. build houses for sale, and we destroy the environment. Yeah. And and that's one of the challenges that we, we have to do. So to me, I think if you people help us, you'll be able to actually support, even for example, supporting those young girls to get a better education. Mm-hmm. They will be able to be good ambassadors. Mm-hmm. They will be able to lead others. They will become teachers and teach the children in those schools. And and if, if for example, we empower those women economically, they will be able to, to have their own resources. They have their own money. And nobody's going to exploit them. You know, they are not going to be forced into early marriages because they know if I'm being forced to an early marriage, I will be married to an old man and who, who is not going to help me in anything. He will be supported by his other children. And if these young girls go to school, they finish the school, they become people in the society. They'll be able to empower themselves economically. So that's the reason why we want your support. Mm-hmm. We want to have community balls. So people, for example, can do agriculture. They can grow, grow crops. If you as pastoral community, like for myself, I moved my cows last year in November. For the last, I don't know how many months, eight or nine months, they've been away. And you can imagine those are livestock that my community depend on. They depend on the milk. They depend on manure. They depend, they got the cow dung for lighting fire. If we have money now to drill boreholes, the community will be able to grow crops. They will be able to get the right food. We will be able to help the issues of malnutrition we will not have in the community. Mm-hmm. So food security will be, will be there. Mm-hmm. So if the need livestock move for years, which is being caused now by the climate change, then at least community will be food sufficient. There will be food security. So that's the reason why we want your dollar. Okay. Yeah. So speaking about support, if we would end this conversation I want to thank you for because it's been great Mm. with uh, what is Acacia Moyo and how does that support you? If you come to Africa you'll see so many trees and most of these trees are Acacia I think in Kenya we have nearly I think eight different species of Acacia but globally I think they are so many, I think, I don't know, more than a thousand different species of acacia. So acacia is a tree that is found all across Africa. And they provide shade. They provide um, shelter to birds. Mm-hmm. They are food to giraffes and, and, and livestock. Mm-hmm. So acacia is a tree that found in Africa and Kenya. Moyo is a hut. Yes, Moyo is a hut. Uh-huh. So we, we see the, the you know, what acacia does to the community and to the society, provide shade, provide food, provide, uh, sh- you know, shade, shelter to birds and food to animals. So if you have a acacia and, and a good heart, you know, 
You're okay. You're okay. Yeah. So Acacia Moyo is one of the organizations that was found by my friend Kenny, mm-hmm. uh, myself, and uh, Tony Carlson, and all these uh, people from uh, uh, like Acacia, like uh, Kenny was born in Kenya, raised up in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And Tony, his father used to work in Kenya. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, they have a very good experience with the Maasai way of life. And also now they are living here. So we've been discussing on how to bring all these ideas together, be able to see how we can be able to uh, link the life of people in the community, right. in the village, and the people here in Santa Fe, another part of uh, America, another part of the world, and be able to see how can people what people can achieve if they decided to work together as a human. Because, you know, we became human first. Yeah. Before all these things, we were all human. And that's what Akesha Mo is all about. What can we achieve if we decided to bring our mind together and be able to work together as a human? And what we've achieved so far is we have four girls in school. And we still have bigger plans. Now we have you know, trying to empower women for, you know, through selling of beads, because bead work is one of the things that we do. You can see all what I'm yes, wearing. It's all about beads. Beautiful. Yeah, and, and that's what we are saying that uh, as a community and as a Kesha Moyo, if we can all be able to work together, we will achieve whatever we want to achieve. It doesn't matter how hard and how challenging it is. So Acacia Moyo is one of the organizations that has been able to bring us from linking us from the village life to people here in Santa Fe and be able to see how we can be able to move together as a human when we decided to work together. If we bring our minds together, our resources together, we will be able even to fight any challenge that comes in between us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I want to... Thank you very much for being with us today as a chief and a fellow human being. Yes. Thank you very much. You You follow us. Just check on our website, Acacia Moyo. You'll see. And come to Santa Fe uh, Market. We'll be in booth 172. You'll see us there. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you.